Hi, everybody. It's good to be back. As Rob said, we have had an amazing extended break this summer, which we're so, so thankful for. I think we did a really good job of recreating our own National Lampoon's American Adventure. Um, Rob played a blinder as Clark Griswold, and as he drove us from Niagara down to Florida in our 12-seater Ford Transit van. It was lots of fun. Um, but joking apart, I usually come back with a lot of disaster stories from our holidays, but actually there's none. There's not one disaster to tell you, which is amazing, and I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, but one of the things that is actually striking when you do cover a, a big distance like that in one trip is the, the change in context of life as you, as you travel, um, both in landscape and in how people live, um, in their pace of life, their food, their politics, which is very apparent in the States. And I guess we see the same thing as we journey and accompany Jesus on this section of Luke as his traveling companions. Um, there's a very different context for every conversation he seems to have, but he has this wonderful gift of just seeing people for who they are, for speaking kingdom truth to their hearts and to their individual circumstance, actually, in, in a way that in a way that they at least have an opportunity to understand. I, I guess they don't always receive, I feel, what he's offering, but they always have an opportunity to do that. And in today's passage, Jesus is asked a question from the crowd, a little bit left field, and it gives him the opportunity to teach on a kingdom perspective on something that we all need help with, and that is our earthly attitude to possessions and wealth. So we're going to read our passage. I've picked the NIV translation for this, for this week, um, and it is Luke 12, 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or, or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out or some translations say, beware. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what, what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So I guess we see Jesus being, being very gracious here, as he spent so much time coming up to this, so much energy teaching on kingdom principles of loving your neighbor as yourself, on forgiveness, on our inner lives matching our outer lives. And then this guy pipes up 
which basically shows that he hasn't really listened, he's learnt nothing, and he's continually just thinking of himself, and he wants to use Jesus' rabbi status um, in, in a personal family disagreement. But Jesus is very quick in his comeback to establish who he is and what his role is. He says, who, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And in this statement, he's saying, I'm not just another rabbi here to sort out your problems and for you to come to me with your judicial disagreements. Jesus isn't interested in judging or interfering in this man's earthly inheritance. Jesus is interested in inviting him to receive his spiritual inheritance. Jesus came to judge our hearts and our characters, not our judicial disagreements. And in this man's question, he immediately reads this guy's heart. He sees him, he reads him like an open book, and he sees what he needs to speak truth to. And that's what he does with all of us. We may think we're hiding lots of different things. God sees it all. This man is, is all messed up with greed and worry about his future. And in the NIV Bible translation, the, the heading for the whole chapter of Luke is actually warning and encouragements. And these eight verses come with both. There's a warning to us of the danger of greed or coveting, and there's an encouragement to us to have this heavenly perspective towards all of our possessions and our wealth. I think we would all agree that every day we're totally bombarded with marketing and advertising that influences us. Whether we like to admit it, I think we're actually really manipulated um, daily by this constant barrage of products and lifestyles that speak to this kind of greedy, coveting part of us. Um, and we all have it. It's part of our human condition in some ways. And we think like the advertisements during the, the TV programs that we watch, we think they're just these little annoying interruptions, um, which they are, especially in the US, is something we really notice. It's every 10 minutes when you're watching TV, there's more advertisements, and therefore everything, you know, from insurance to medication to holidays to cars to food, it's just all there every 10 minutes. Um, I think we're truly influenced by them and also by the programs that we watch and the YouTubers and the magazines we read. We start to measure ourselves by this stuff. And most of the time, it's totally subliminal. We don't really take it on board that it's happening every day. And an online article that I read um, about marketing describes it as this. Experts in the field call it referencing. We reference, either intentionally or otherwise, to lifestyles represented to us that we find attractive. We create a vision of ourselves living this idealized lifestyle and then behave in ways that help us to realize that vision. The problem with this process is that the lifestyles most often portrayed and ultimately referenced are well beyond the means of all but a very small percentage of people. We aspire to something that the vast majority of us can't possibly achieve. And in this attempt to realize our aspirations, we borrow heavily, we feel poorly about ourselves because we just can't seem to get there. And we become addicted to a way of living 
that gradually separates us from the things in life that bring us the most joy. Now, that's something that's written in a secular piece on advertising and, and marketing. There's a danger out there. There's influences out there that are constantly coming at us. And our Heavenly Father is all about giving us boundaries that make us safe and keep us secure and enhance our well-being. And His tenth commandment to us is, do not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So, you know, it's easy to put that into our context for today. Oxes, donkeys, you know, cars, whatever. And Jesus' language here, as he says, he says, watch out or beware, be on your guard of any type of greed or covetousness. There's a whole different things that come under what greed is. But greed is a form of idolatry. Greed hinders our very relationship and our worship of God. That's what it does. And this is why Jesus warns about it. This is his warning. He warns so sternly about it. For us to beware and for us to be on our guard, though, we need to be able to recognize greed in our lives. But I think if we're honest, how many of us see ourselves as greedy or self-indulgent people? Do we really see ourselves that way? I don't think we like to see ourselves that way or believe that about ourselves. But maybe if I put it to you a different way, have you ever felt like you don't have enough? Have you ever felt like you deserve more? Or have you ever felt dissatisfied with what you have, with the possessions and the wealth that you have? And I think when we think about it that way, it definitely gave me a bit of a niggle of, mm, okay, it's definitely something in there. Our perspective and our attitude to our possessions and our wealth matters. And our perspective and our attitude to our security matters. And just before the summer, we spent a bit of time as a church looking at the Enneagram. I learned something about myself this year. After a few years of doing quick tests on Enneagram stuff, I thought I was a two. Some of you will not have a clue what this is about, I apologize. But I thought I was a two, which is the helper. I learned this May that I'm actually a six on the Enneagram, which is the loyal guardian, okay? The Enneagram shows you your core desires and your core fears as, as part of your personality. So being a six means that my core desire is to have security, support, and guidance. That's my core desire. The dark side fear of that is my fear, my core fear is uncertainty, danger, and fear of not having security, support, and guidance. So, reading this parable for me, if I'm honest, when the rich fool said, soul, you will have ample goods laid up for years. Take it easy, relax, eat, and be merry. I kind of went, yeah, totally, I get that. I get that. So I know that there's a part of me I have to be careful of, that I'm not storing up wealth out of an unhealthy 
place, out of a fearful place. I must make sure that I live from a faith, a place of wisdom and faith and not save money in the wrong way, not fear and, and save money and give money from this kingdom perspective that God is talking about and view my possessions in that way. The man in the parable is the very reverse of what a Christian attitude should be. And that's why Jesus tells the story and tries to point it out. In William Barclay's commentary, he says, instead of denying himself, this man, he aggressively affirmed himself. Instead of finding happiness in giving, he tried to conserve it by keeping it. Something that we can so naturally do to keep ourselves safe. In his book, The Tender Commandments, Ron Mayle says, a covetous person tends to see the world only in terms of how it benefits his own immediate needs. Short-term satisfaction elbows out long-term goals and deeply held values. This can so easily happen to us. And that's why God is giving us this bigger picture, this eternal perspective, because we can get so just clued into looking at this immediate world around us and what we have or don't have now. This is how the pressures of the world begin to shape us when we're not on our guard. Jesus said, beware, be on your guard. Eternity is a long-term goal. And this is why Jesus encourages the eternal outlook, a perspective that it reaches past this immediate physical need, and it's the bigger picture that our souls need, our salvation and our place in God's eternal kingdom. 2 Corinthians 4.18, a verse that most of us have definitely heard before or know quite well, for we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. These are words of Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, and the eternal perspective is something that he has learnt in his journey of faith. It's not something that comes overnight, it's a learning. But there's something else that Paul has learnt that he admits to learning. In Philippians 4.11, he says, For I have learnt to be content, whatever my circumstances. And I think it's contentment that combats coveting. It's contentment that comes against greed. Our challenge is to lay down our greedy and covetous inclinations and to choose contentment. And we have to choose it. Contentment doesn't come naturally. It is a learning and it's a choice. So how do we do that? How do we move from coveting and greed to contentment? Well, the answer, I think, is in our parable today. I think it's in the last line where it says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. We need to be selfless and rich towards God. Those three words really struck me, rich towards God. What does that mean? What does that look like? So thinking about it, I think firstly, and it's funny we started off with the psalm, 
and Rob spoke about gratefulness. I think it comes from living from a place of gratitude. Living in that place of gratitude. We've sung in one of our songs today, everything is yours, every breath I take. The very breath in our lungs. We breathe because he gave us life. King David says it well when he prayed, everything we have has come from you and we give you only what you first gave us. That's a truth that we really need to let sink in to our hearts and our souls and we need to live out of it every single day. Everything belongs to God first and is a gift to us. We must choose to give thanks in all circumstances. And this isn't something that's just good and right to do, although it is, but it's also, it's a weapon against the enemy. Giving thanks is a weapon that puts a hand in the face of the enemy and says no. He longs to fill our minds and our hearts with fear and worry about not having enough. And giving thanks for whatever you can find in your day comes against that. And Voskamp says, you can't be thankful and fearful at the same time. You can't be thankful and whatever your blank is at the same time. Gratitude puts you in that place, in that posture where you are just able to blot out everything else. It helps you to give thanks in all circumstances. Secondly, we need to be wise stewards of our possessions and our wealth. We need to have wisdom in how we use what we are given. We need to learn to invest and save in a healthy way and be cheerful and generous givers to those in need, to our neighbors. Remember, we are not to store up earthly treasure for ourselves. God says, look at the bigger picture, remember. Fools, he calls, he calls the man a fool, so we're to have wisdom. You can't take it with you, be wise. And the third way I think we can be rich towards God is to trust him. To choose to trust him, to trust in this heavenly perspective that he encourages and to ask his Holy Spirit every single day to fill us afresh, to renew in us a mind that is set on eternity. Because that's a difficult place to live in. It's a difficult place to live in. To fill us with faith for his kingdom to move on earth as it is in heaven. To trust him for our daily bread. And to trust him for our security and our support and our guidance. See, I'm preaching to myself here, I promise. Being rich towards God will train us in contentment. And being content in all circumstances gives us freedom from greed and coveting. And that is what God wants for us. And that's why he told this parable. So I really just want to encourage us as church and as church family today to, to really let the words of this parable into our hearts and to be both warned and encouraged to commit, to open our hearts and our eyes to this eternal perspective and to let it really rule over our possessions and our finances. Amen. Amen. Father, we are so thankful to you 
for everything. You are our provider and our protector. Everything we have comes from you. But Father, you know how difficult it is to live out of that place in this world where we are so influenced every day by worldly things. Father, would you help us beware? Would you help us to live in a way where we are on our guard, Lord? Would you give us the eyes and the ears to see and hear and recognize in ourselves when we are going after something that isn't for us, God? Would you save us from that? Father, would you teach us contentment? Father, would you help us to build habits that encourage us into that place, Lord? Would you help us, Father, to recognize that moment when we're, yeah, just really wanting something that isn't for us, Lord? I pray, Father, for, for any of us here today who do struggle a lot with um, money or coveting or needing more or feeling pressured by that God and I just pray Father that what you're giving us eternal life Father an eternal relationship with you Father would set us free from that place show us Father how to store up treasure in heaven Father and to let the worldly things that don't really matter, that we can enjoy while we're here, but enjoy in your way, Father, not in the world's way. So we just ask for your spirit, Father, to lead us. We commit to you as a body of people today to try to do that. We're so thankful to you, God. Help us this week, Father, to remember every day to be filled with gratitude, to look for things in our day. When it's a hard day, God, help us to always be thankful in every circumstance. Thank you, Jesus.